Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five games left, and every one of them a knockout playoff game. I'm Glenn Crooks, and this is NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City! Wins the first MLS Cup on their first try. And they're going crazy. Terecino y gol. Gol. New York City is el campeón de Major League Soccer. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. I'm glad, and there he is, Roberto Abramowitz. Uh, we do your uh, English and Spanish radio commentary on the New York City FC Network. So that means we saw the Hudson River Derby, and uh, a thriller it was. Uh, I, I had made a prediction nil-nil, no. which you you couldn't. No. You know that's not necessarily a, a bold prediction. We were going to be going say. into the game with 28 goals, uh, Red Bulls 24 goals going in, and. These two teams, you know, gave some proof as to why they have had difficulties putting the ball in the back of the net. And but it was a scrappy affair, right, Roberto? I mean, I suppose this is what you expect in a derby. As Bill Parcells used to say, the standings tell you who you really are. And that's exactly who they are. It, it is what it is. Uh, they're both incomplete teams. And uh, they... They both try, but I mean, when it comes to playing the Red Bulls, I mean, they try not to let you play, and they they were very successful at that. And they try to you know counterattack off your turnovers and quickly go to goal. And they had a lot of early opportunities to do that, and they 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 showed what their big problem is as well. They can't shoot straight either. So there's yeah. <laughs> there was that. And then, you know, uh, the first half was horrific. New York City had a couple of chances when they went over the top with uh, Mosef Bakrar, and then he fubbed his two chances that he had um, and didn't even get them on goal. So shots on goal, in, or, or shots, rather, not even shots on goal. Shots in the first half were 7 nothing for the Red Bulls. And then in the second half, it turned around. New York City had nine. The Red Bulls had four. I, I, New York City yeah, had a yeah, chance. Yeah, yeah. And that was that. First shot and, on goal. Uh, what, it was, yeah. Did you mark, that was did you mark down when the Did you mark down when the first shot on goal was for New York City? In the I 83rd was trying to minute. stay awake. Julian Fernandez uh, in the uh, 83rd minute. And then the second, the only other shot on goal for New York City, 
should have been a goal. Tiago Martins, about six yards out. He had the entire goal to shoot for. Free header. <laughs> and he hits it right at Carlos Coronel. So, uh, you know, and I suppose that's emblematic, symbolic. I don't know what other words you'd use to uh, for Brazilian how the season has gone. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm just saying. So uh, then you had Sandy Rodriguez drawing fouls everywhere, uh, but not the one that was in the uh, penalty area. That's the only thing. I, no one really brought that up to Nick. I didn't bring it up to him uh, on our pregame uh, chat, which we're going to uh, hear uh, from, a, from Nick on, on, on a couple of uh, clips here in a moment. But uh, that, that didn't really come up. And I think his, the last time something came up about a penalty, he just said, we had enough other chances to score. I'm not going to give the referees a hard time on this one. And, you know, and I kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's, you know, you this is what now, uh, game number three or four already of the uh, five-game homestand. So uh, yeah, it three. hasn't been good enough. It's just been one win and uh, two ties. Well, unbeaten, I guess so you could look at it that way, unbeaten. Oh, free, yes, but, if you want to uh, look at it from the positive side, they are unbeaten. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, New York City unbeaten in its last three. Uh, the Red Bulls are have not won in their last four. They actually lost three, and this is the only tie. And you know how after the game we get these little insights from uh, Opta or yeah. Elias, whoever right, it is. Right. We get these insights yeah. on the thing. Yeah, they only had two, and those are the only two. After that, they're like, "Yeah, we give up. We don't. There's, there's nothing else to talk about in this game." <laughs> there really wasn't much. Yeah, the, there really wasn't much yeah, the, to talk about, unless I guess. Well, here's one. That you there was a halftime one. Here was a halftime yeah. one, Roberto. And okay. I'm sorry that I'm stepping on you at some point. Yes. There's a slight delay. On, no, there's a slight delay on your end, and you're not hearing me until I don't know what. But let's get through this. Uh, at halftime, New York City has stopped the uh, opposition from scoring a first-half goal in 19 of their 29 games. There's only two teams in MLS who have a better uh, record than that. St. Louis City has won, and the next opponent, Orlando, 20 times they've prevented the opponent from scoring the first half. That's who you're up against. You're also up against the best road team in MLS, like by like far. I mean, they've got seven. Was it seven wins, three losses, four draws, something like that on the uh, on the road? So it's crazy, and that's that's what you got on. And then they're coming off this ridiculously uh, dramatic win. But can I get the? Yeah. I, I want before we I leave the, a very uh, good team the, in Columbus. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, so the, the Red Bull game. Uh, Keaton Parks, unfortunately, went down with his ankle injury in the first half. We thought it might be more severe than it turned out to be. He, Nick expects him to be able to play at some point before the end of the regular season. Uh, Can I interrupt so you one second? Of, yeah. Did you, was he training today? No, he wasn't training. He was out yesterday, but he wasn't training. Uh, he didn't train today, but I did run into him uh, at, the, um, at the training center, and uh, he was very, very relieved to, to, to see – that the injury really isn't that severe. It's not a high ankle sprain. It's an ankle sprain. And when you get an ankle sprain, you have ligament damage. And he does have slightly torn ligaments, but it's not severe. So he expects that uh, he'll be able to come back before the end of the season. So that's really, really good news. You know, it wasn't like a Nick Chubb situation last night. That was just like a horrific injury that we saw on Monday Night Football. So uh, it it was really bad the way he I fell. I didn't see it. And the way he twisted. Don't, don't go look for it. 
uh, the way he, you know, jumped okay. for a ball. He fell. He doesn't know if he stepped on somebody or not because, you know, that sort of thing can happen in the penalty box. Like it happens a lot in basketball when people go up for rebounds. And uh, but he he twisted it really, really bad. He said it really hurt. And uh, but he's very relieved to feel that uh, to see that there was no real major damage. So it's really good news. Happy to hear it. So this happens in the first half, so fairly early in the match, and uh, New York City's generating nothing. I mean, you talk, they're not getting anywhere near the Red Bull goal. So the, their, the substitution was Alfredo Morales for Keaton Park. So a like-for-like, or actually a more defensive player than a Keaton Parks in a match that, to me, you have to win, and you're not getting anywhere near the goal. So here's uh, the first clip I'll play from my uh, interview with Nick, which will be part of the pregame show um, coming up on uh, Wednesday. Uh, at uh, That's tomorrow, by the way. That is tomorrow, by the way. But uh, run this one, Sammy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The time was Alfredo Morales uh, uh, for Keaton. Um, you had the option maybe to go with a more attacking player. And at that point of the game, uh, really hadn't been close to goal. Did you ponder that at all? And... What led to the decision of Alfredo instead of maybe a Ledesma? I think it was like for like, really. I think, you know, of course, we consider whether we go with an offensive player. You know, we can bring Santi inside and bring on a winger. We can bring Richie Ledesma on. Um, But I think we knew that Red Bull, the one area that we would have to contain Red Bull would be second balls. And I wanted to be really strong and really dominant in the middle of the field because if we can take that element away, we can be we then have the opportunity to play. Um, so we went with Alfredo Morales, which which I thought we dealt with the second ball really well. It, it just meant we had maybe one less attacking player on the field. And we'll take that into consideration moving forwards now with Keaton out, is who is his replacement? Is it Richie Ledesma or Santi, which allows us to bring a winger, a Talas Magno or Julio Fernandez in? Or is it an Alfredo Morales to keep us solid in the middle of the field? And you know those are ongoing conversations. So let All me right, ask but, you this, Glenn. Let me ask yeah. you this. At the beginning, he said it's a like for like, right? And then at the end, he confessed that it wasn't really like to like, like for like, because it was more defensive to try to control second balls as opposed to using somebody more offensive, which is Richie Ledesma, right? And or Ethan Parks is or, really an offensive or, player more than a defensive player, especially can I just in that order of three. Just, I, I just, just an or, Richie Ledesma, or moving Santi Rodriguez inside and bringing on a winger, maybe a Fernandez earlier, or maybe a Tyler Spagno. But go ahead. Yeah. So my, my my point being is that with the team having a hard time generating offense at that point in the game, which they did much better in the second half. But at that point in the game, having a hard time generating offense when they need, they need to win this game, right? This is a must win game, the way it was set up. 
I was sort of surprised that he didn't go in with Oladesma to try to generate some more offense because they need to win the game. Then you can't do that without scoring goals. So I was sort of surprised that he didn't do that and frankly disappointed that he didn't do that. And, um, you know, but I guess it was more of he thought that he would be able to generate more offense by getting the ball more, which is why he brought Morales in as opposed to Richie. Well, but that was the original game plan is second balls. That's why I had the three midfielders in there. Really, you know, Perea is not an attacking midfielder, really. I mean, he can get forward. Parks is not a 10. And Sands, you know, so it was really three minutes. So the, the injury occurred at the 37th minute. So Alfredo Morales came in. So the decision was uh, not Richie Ledesma, not Tylus Magno, not Julian Fernandez. Now, another post-game comment, which I, I thought was interesting, uh, and really the way he said it, Nick Cushing, that is, the head coach, is that it, he made it – I thought the way it came out is that Tylus Magno's playing 90 minutes the next two games, but maybe he meant 90 minutes total in the next two games. I'm not sure. Regardless, Sammy, run this one about Magno. That you said afterwards, just suggesting, uh, you didn't make any guarantees, but that we were going to see more of Tyler's Magno in the next couple of games. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, I think if he doesn't start, he will come into the game. He's training incredibly well. He's really working for the team. I think, you know, we have to consider, do we put him in as a number nine? Can we play him with Monsef? almost as, uh, you know, in the position we've seen him in before, which is playing off the left and coming inside. Um, with the injuries that we have, it, it means that you're probably going to look at more offensive subs. You know, Matti Pellegrini is out, so it opens up opportunities for guys like Tales Magno, Julio Fernandez to come in, you know, Andres Yassin to come in. So, yeah, I think, and when guys are training well, you almost feel, you know, you have to repay them with starting games. So... Magno, the nine, the wing, so it almost seems like he's, you know, a second half sub again. It seemed like a lock, did it? Yeah. No, it didn't seem like 45 minutes or, or 90. So, well, yeah. we'll see. That remains to be we'll, seen. We'll see. I, I, I think that the team has to stop the Magno at number nine experiment. I, I think that we've seen enough of it where we understand that it doesn't work. Um and it's not for the lack of trying. I think that at this point, you've got to consider him as somebody who's got to play the left wing and stay there. And maybe that's going to revitalize him. Because at the end of the day, as we look at this team, he is still probably your most talented attacker. And I think that if you can unlock him, then you're going to be able to score goals where this team need, or at least create much better chances to score goals, which is the team, what, which is what this team needs most at this point. We still have to go back to April 22nd against FC Dallas at City Field is the last goal that Tyler Magno has scored. And that his lack of production compared to last year is something that is eye opening. And we understand the circumstances. He's not surrounded by the same amount of quality as he was last year. And he himself has been playing in a position that's not really his. So part of the blame lies on him. And part of the reason that he's not scoring is because they try to do something with him that it didn't work. And, you know, maybe it eventually will. 
if we remember with Tati, Tati didn't, the first time that they moved him to center forward, it didn't, you know, he didn't become a goal scorer. It took a while. It took him almost three years to, to become a, a goal scorer, right? So um, we, we've got to take that into consideration. But I think that if you're going to get the most out of Tyler Magno, I think you've got to play him at his position. And maybe from the start of the game and just let him go. I, I, yeah. You know, you, you talked about all, you went through all the different things there and, and true, but uh, why does that impact the way you strike the ball and put it on target? You know I mean? He's had, he's had goal scoring opportunities that have just, uh, you know, Agreed. I have never seen a player scuff so many shots. I mean, I, I and, or, you know, miss, miss the target so dramatically in, in, in something that's really close to goal, but, um, but hopefully Hold he on. can. Uh, I'll ask you I, the I question. Hope... Yeah. Well, let me yeah. ask you the question. So you, you presented the problem. Do you think that part of it is because he's playing in an unfamiliar position that his mentality is sort of out of whack and that just affects everything that he does? Sure. Yeah. I think uh, goal scoring is, I don't know what percentage it is confidence and, uh, you know, and quote unquote arrogance because I don't, I, th I think that's, not quite the word, but that's where you got to be, you know, when you're a goal scorer, you got to be like, yeah, yeah, get me the ball. It's going in the back of the net. Didn't go that time. No problem. Next time I get it, it's going in. And we haven't felt that from really anyone in the club this year. I mean, anyone, no. maybe oh, Pereira, right. but now. He's, well, that's why you know, your leading scorer on the team right now only has four goals. Yeah. And then look at the Orlando list and the number of goals being pumped out there. By a guy named Duncan McGuire, eight goals. Uh, Fagundo Torres is man; he's a wonderful. Play. He's got twelve goals, just a, for instance. And uh, did you? I didn't realize this. I saw this. Maybe MLS put this out, but uh, if uh, the next point that Orlando gets will tie their point record as a franchise, they started the same year New York City did, two thousand fifteen. And if, if they happen to win on Wednesday night against uh, New York City, they will uh, they will eclipse that, and that'll be the the best season they've ever had. Plus, I think if they win, it clinches a playoff spot, or it comes close to. Maybe something else has to happen, but it's close. Yeah, uh, I mean it's going to happen, right? So, I mean, we already yeah. know seven of the teams that are going to be there from Nashville on up. I mean that that that's a lock. The only two spots that are in question are Montreal and D.C. United and everybody else who's, who's chasing them. So, yeah. you know, everybody else is just a matter of where they play, and but they're going to be in. Nobody's catching Nashville. So. No, no, they're on 40 points, uh, and uh, they've got a couple of games at hand on New York City, too. Five games left. It's just uh, – and, and you talk about Orlando and Natasca Perea, and he's made a lot of difference – in uh, and and you know, Orlando didn't make the playoffs last year, Roberto. And look no, where they are no. now. Exactly, and so that's the thing, right? And so uh, one of the things that uh, Nick Cushing said to you, because I was listening in on your conversation. By the way, I I don't know if you knew this, but I was definitely there spying in. <laughs> I know and you're, always notes and, you're always you're always and everything. In some manner, Roberto. Yeah, you know whether. It's, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. he addressed that, right? I mean, he addressed the fact that. You know, last year was a difficult year with a very young team. And then this year, be, between the youth and obviously finding goal scores, turns out that's important. Um, they've been able to uh, put it all together. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and with a process. And, you know, when Nick was saying that, it almost, you know, it, it kind of 
it made me feel like, well, look, we've been trying to, we've got a process going on here with young players. We still need to get more players in. And obviously New York City, main, you know, there's a decent chance they're not going to make the postseason. So it's almost like, listen, you know, there, there's parallels here. Um, I, I know Nick, no matter how it all ends, you know, he's going to, he's going to want to come back and try to right the ship and, uh, oh, and with, with some, you know, and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's another, um, that's another conversation uh, that he'll have with the uh, club executives at the end of the year. And I'm going to say something now that uh, I hope that a, a large part, I don't know if it's, uh, maybe it's not a large part, but a part of the fan base, I know, please don't throw anything at your computer screen or throw your computer to the wall uh, but uh, or your phone or whatever you're watching this podcast on, if you're watching or listening. And Nick deserves the chance to write the ship because he hasn't been given all the tools to be successful this year. And I think that if he had, I think that they this team would be better. Look, if I was uh, talking to somebody after the game, okay, somebody who's very, you know, understands the team very well. I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. And one of the one of the topics of discussion that we had about what went wrong with the team this year was about strikers. And it's not just a matter of not having striker, but the quality of striker. And then he he asked me a question that made me like all of a sudden think and and I hadn't really thought of it in that in that way. And he said, "What team is it has won MLS Cup recently?" that didn't have a basically a $10 million striker on their, on their roster. And you start going back and you start thinking about the teams that have won and who they won with, and you start understanding that that is a really important piece to the puzzle. So last year, Vela and Bale, and you have Buanga, and you have... Uh, uh, what was it? What was it? Rossi, who was uh, there at the end of Chicho Arango was there at the end of the year. I mean, look at what they had, okay, to be able to win. Before that, it was New York City with Tati Castellano. Before that, you had Columbus and Lucas Arayan. Before that, you, you know, I don't know how far back we have to go. We had Toronto when Jovinko was, in, you know, playing lights out. And you still had a Josie Altador that was still an extremely effective player in this league. So you've no, got point teams. well made. Yeah, no, it's a okay. Point. You've it's, got I teams mean, it's a, it's all the way back point. to then that if you want to win this league, this is how you do it. You've got to have a prime, prime striker to be able to get this done. Now look what the hell is happening with Inter Miami. You know, ever since they brought in a $50 million attacker in Leo Messi. And then, of course, they got a whole bunch of other pieces, mind you. I mean, they they, they can't but lose I, aside I, from that game against Atlanta. No, let me, but your, your point is really well taken. But it's not about winning MLS Cup. Yeah, that's everybody's goal. New York City was not going to win MLS Cup this year. I mean, I just, you know, and I, I'm saying that with all due respect, if they get into the playoffs, it's just, it's not a team made to win MLS Cup. Sorry. I mean, that's that I think that I think we've seen that along the way. We're just talking about can they get into the playoffs, Roberto? And I and maybe, yeah, the striker aspect has been crucial. I mean, your, your leading goal scorer right now has four. I mean, that's that's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And and Gabby Panetta only had six, you know, when mm. he uh, when, when he left town. So it wasn't like he was prolific. He was the best they had. But uh, you, you, know, you wouldn't call him a 
you know, a, a goal, a striker in this, you know, for a successful team, 10, 12, 14 goals. That's what's got to happen. Fagundo Torres has 12 goals running out of the midfield a lot of the times, you know, or attacking mid from the middle. Sometimes he's a winger. Um, it's just, uh, I, I just, it's about just what could you have had or what could have been done just to get into the playoffs, even though mathematically it's, it's still a possibility. I don't know. So what happens now is that, uh, and Sammy, get the, uh, get ready with clip number four. So, you know, you know how coaches have said this in the past, but it's, obviously it's true. There's only five games left, Roberto. So we talked about the importance of these games. Go ahead, Sammy. Say that uh, every game from here out is a, is a playoff elimination game, like a knockout game. I mean, I, uh, I know that will be your approach, but it's starting to border on the reality. Yeah, it's playoff football. Ultimately, I said this to the team, this is playoff football because if you look, we, we, we need points and especially when we're playing the teams in and around us like we did at Red Bull in Montreal and like we will at uh, DC and Chicago and these those teams, is it's almost like you win and you're in and you're losing, potentially you're out. So, of course, there's a mathematical situation to this. You're not out until you're mathematically out. But we know that three points will really, really help us push on to the next game. So we have to treat it like playoff football and we have to play with the real passion and desire that we we have played in previous years in playoff football. And just uh, that was recorded a little bit earlier in the day on Tuesday, the day before the game, when we're actually recording this too. But uh, yeah, so that's... Yeah, you've heard it before, but I don't know how many times, uh, Roberta, we probably already said this on the podcast, that you've called the game in your pregame uh, intro, you know, a must win. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, the Red Bull game was a must win for both teams, I think. And, um, you know, there's yeah. a feeling that it, it it's, could be over for both. But you have to play. You got to play. And the thing um, is, is that the league has been extremely generous because everybody who's in front of them haven't done anything to improve their yeah. situation any more than New York City or the Red Bulls, as far as that's, that's concerned. True. And if New York City can win, can win tomorrow, I mean, they might be one point out of a playoff spot. Which <laughs> is crazy <laughs> as that sounds. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> Roberto. Let's kick it around. Now, I think before we leave the Hudson River Derby, you know, and I, I found this to be an amazing story. So I, you know, people may not care that are watching this soccer podcast, but so Hudson River Derby. And there's a guy that swam the length of the Hudson, 315 miles. There he is passing the Statue of Liberty. His name That's is great. Louis Pugh. He's 53 years old. He's from Plymouth, England. And uh, there he is celebrating uh, the end of his trip. This was just the other day. It might have been the morning of the Derby or, or the day before. I, I can't quite remember. But he said, rivers are the arteries of our planet. And that's, that's he's trying to create awareness to keep our rivers clean. And he's, you know, and we kidded about the Hudson River, what he might have run into along the way. But especially as he got into the uh, five boroughs. <laughs> but I... Uh, I just, well, uh, it's a nuclear it's a plant that's up there past Yonkers. That's the one you have to worry about uh, because the, yeah. the the owners that are commissioned 
to decommission that plant, basically, and to take it apart because we have we had a nuclear reactor right there. Wanted to dump all the all the radioactive waste into the Hudson, and thankfully the governor of New York said, "No, you got to go spend the money and you know truck it out of there." So uh, yeah. thank goodness because we didn't need all that radioactive waste into the water, so they can save some money, you know, and uh, make more profits. That's not cool. So it starts way up there in the Adirondacks, which uh, you've been up there, haven't you, Roberto? It's a beautiful part of the world. Yes, uh, I have. And I've, I've been all the way up to um, uh, Niagara Falls. So I don't know if that's a Hudson or not. That goes all the way up there. I, I, don't, I don't know. So, but I, I'm not sure. I haven't really done uh, all, all the geography up there. Uh, it was just announced officially. Uh, I had found out this morning for sure, too. Tab Ramos is uh, back on the MLS scene. He's going to be an assistant with the New England Revolution the rest of their way. That mess up there, he's going to try to help get them through. And uh, and then, you know, Tab wants to get back into it. And, you know, you have to be managing or, or at least helping or be with a team. And, you know, uh, Remember, he started with the Red Bulls, and it's possible they'll have a managerial opening, and you just wonder. You just wonder how uh, what he might be uh, targeting along the way, and, and um, you know, all, all those kinds of things aren't going to be decided till the end of the year anyway. Miles Joseph replaced Gio Savadese uh, out in uh, Portland, and he's got three wins and a draw in the four matches that he's, uh, he's led the team. So, uh, you know, Miles getting it done in, in what, again, is a very tough situation. You know, they're close. He and Geo, and um, but you know it's it's worked out. Sometimes a change works. You know, it's just the thing here's was, this- and maybe it's changed for him. But when he was here, and then we've run into him at, at different times since then, he never really expressed a great interest in being a head coach. There are some guys, and at that point, and it may have changed that some guys prefer to be the guy behind the guy. And doing all that work and not having to to deal with the you know with, with the stresses and and everything that that uh, you need to be a, as a head coach. So uh, maybe things have changed now, and maybe he is interested. And if he is, then I hope he gets a shot to to keep the job because he's a, he's a hell of a guy, and uh, he, he's very very bright. And uh, I'd l- I'd like to see him succeed and and do well. He definitely deserves a chance if that's what he wants to do. He is interested, and this is very much a trial period for him. So if it goes well, you know, there, there's a good chance for him. All right, there's a uh, – uh, MLS uh, put out this announcement about a CF Montreal player. Uh, Sammy chose this. <laughs> and here's the official. Yes. So it's very simple. You know, following an investigation, uh, Matko Miljevic engaging in conduct, conduct detrimental to the league and violating his standard player group. So there's no detail there. But there's a lot of detail. This is the craziest. This is one of the craziest stories. Uh, I'm just going to read some stuff here. Then, Roberto, I'll seek your comment along the way. So uh, this is um, uh, Milovic. Eight games and 124 minutes this year for CF Montreal. He's a Boca Juniors Academy product. Came from Argentina football in 2021. Played every league match. He play- it says he played 35 league matches. I don't know how that could be. There's only 34 in the regular year. Uh, eight starts. Well, I'm assuming those all those matches were with MLS. I'm maybe maybe not. Maybe it was with the local, uh, you know, the local beer league too. Because here's the story. 
So this guy didn't have, he was, you know, he, his playing time was really down. So this is per Dan, Dans Les Coulisses, which, by the way, is a website run by a guy who does a podcast, a sick podcast, Roberto, a guy named Max Truman. And he and Tony Marinaro broke the story. And here's the story, all right? Uh, <laughs> he had a friend playing in a league called Ligue Québécois de Soccer Calceto, known, known uh, as a local amateur league, QCSL. And it's in Montreal, in the suburbs. And he was mm -hmm. asked to play by this friend. And so what he did... So he went, he changed his name, but Roberto, he changed his name. He kept it Matko and then Milojevic. So it's almost like the same name. <laughs> so he changed his name, but like very close. So, uh, and then um, it lists, uh, he performed uh, very well, three games, six goals, two assists. Uh, but he did pad the, uh, the stats with a five goal performance. Against <laughs> against Bayer Neverlusen, <laughs> you can't make this up. And uh, that's and then, pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So and, and then, he and got caught. I mean, obviously he the, got caught. Why couldn't he just say nobody, that his name was uh, Rene Lavesque or something like that? And nobody, you know, probably would have drawn attention to himself. But the, the the end of the story is he's, he's on the he can't play for that league anymore because he was suspended because he punched somebody out while he was on the bench. Somebody yes. came over and said something to him, and he uh, he decked them. And the victim is reportedly considering filing a criminal charge for assault. He changed his name from let me get Mako Mako Miljevich to Matko Miljevich. <laughs> I just can't believe it, Roberto. But that's uh, that's uh, that's pretty much all I got. You got anything else to add? No, 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 I don't. <laughs> no, it doesn't get better than that. So Wednesday, big match. Obviously, it's City Field is the venue, and for Roberto and I, Roberto on the Spanish commentary, myself on the English commentary. Uh, it begins at seven fifteen with our pregame show and sync up the video with the audio so you can listen to your hometown call uh, on Apple since it's a home game. The English is available on a drop down for Roberto. You got to freeze it, wait for his audio to catch up and then hit play. No, the other way around, uh, the other what? way around, you got to, you, you've got to freeze well, the audio has to and catch wait up for the video, video to catch up. We're much, well, we're way, way ahead happened. of the video. It happens both ways. I, I've had yeah. somebody at home do it the other way. So, so we right, have so. Uh, Tiago Martins in our pregame show. You have Nick We have Tiago Martins. Um, so uh, looking forward uh, to playing that for everybody. He had some very interesting he, things to say. Did you, can you give us yeah. one tidbit from that? Since I'm not um, going to be able to, to remember listen. about it was more about you know the team and how it came out. I asked him about how the team came out. I was a you know a little bit surprised that with so much on the line that the Red Bulls uh, were able to control like the first 15 minutes of the game. As a matter of fact, they had, I don't know if you saw this stat, but they had the ball in their offensive third for 44% of the time in the first 15 minutes of the game. So this is a New York City home game, and uh, it's the Red Bulls that were more on the front foot than New York City. So I asked him about that. 
And, uh, you know, he just said it was a difficult game and it was all about winning second balls and, and things like that and going over the top and, you know, all, all the normal things that people say when they play the Red Bulls because they just, you know, they just try to muddy up the game as much as they can. Uh, but we talked about the mentality of the team, the, men the mentality of the group and how it's together. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that it's been a very difficult year for the club, how that's been able to be held together. And he says, you know, sometimes we have our arguments and we have our fights and things, but, you know, all in all, you know, that this group gets along very, very well and we're all pulling for each other. So, uh, and it's a very, very good group, which is one of the things that, you know, David Lee, Nick Cushing and all the coaches behind him uh, have always strived for to have that type of positive mentality that you don't have somebody in the locker room who's an idiot who's going to blow up the locker room for you. So, um, so they it, it was nothing about those lines. Nothing about his uh, goal scoring opportunity at the death. Uh, I don't. I don't actually. I have such a bad memory. I don't even know if I asked him about that. But uh, it was what he called. Well, I mean, we saw it. Right. You know, he he hit it at his uh, compatriot. <laughs> that he did. That, that he did. That he, he did. did. Well, actually, his compatriot now plays for Paraguay. So there. How about that? And, yeah. well, he wasn't – he was barely tested, uh, was Coronel in the match against New York City FC. Well, Roberto, good stuff. Hope everybody will uh, tune in. And uh, we will likely be back with you after Friday's training session, Roberto. I, we haven't really discussed this yet, but maybe we'll be there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll figure we'll, it one out. One of those, we'll see, right? It's Friday yeah. that they'll have – yeah, because then the game on Saturday at – um, well, they've already announced. Yeah, there's going to be training Friday, so we'll we'll go up there. Right. right? Okay. Okay. So, but then the, there's a game on Saturday against Toronto and Red Bull Arena, and they have also not and they have all sorts of discounts for this. So, if you're interested in going to the game and you want to save some money, I mean, they had all New York City had all sorts of things going on. I I even saw something about possible free tickets. I think maybe I misread it. I'm not sure. Go check your emails. If you're a season ticket holder, you got to be sure what it is. Stuff. And if not, go check the Red Bull, uh, the New York city website and see what's there. And the only, um, and so that's that. And then we have to see where they're playing the last game of the year. But I, I have a feeling that that last game is coming back to New York city. I've been saying this all along because the Yankees are getting eliminated. The Mets are getting eliminated. And to me, you know, what that last game is, which is going to be against the Fire, and that's going to be a lot of six o'clock game on Decision Day. That's going to be played at either City Field or Yankee Stadium. There's no way in hell they're playing that in Red Bull Arena if one of those two stadiums is available. My guess, we'll see what happens. All right, man. Well, good chatting. Thanks for joining us, everybody. For Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. This is NYCFC Views. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.